What's up, everybody? Welcome to Listen Money Matters. To be good is noble, but to show others how to be good is nobler and no trouble. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Hopefully, it is not an empty can like what I'm drinking. Mm, I don't know how you can drink an empty can, <laughs> but I'm sure you're, you're going to tell us. It's very difficult. It requires a lot of finesse. So, you know, you can go out to uh, the liquor store, and uh, at least in this area, for like $11, you can get like a decent bottle of wine that, that'll keep you busy for the, you know, the night. Um, Same here. I have an $11 bomber, which is keeping me busy for the day, at least. <laughs> uh, it's, it's from Allagash. It's the Dubel Reserve. It's Belgian <laughs> style, obviously, because I like half the beers I drink are that. And it's yep. batch number 112. And wait for it. Mm. It's really good. Mighty tasty. It's mighty tasty. Hashtag Andrew catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> or damn tasty. Yeah, I was drinking LaCroix, but now it's empty. They have like LaCroix. five new flavors. LaCroix. Yeah, I have no idea. They have a bunch of new flavors, though, so I'm going to be like going to Target and buying a bunch of water. Which doesn't make sense, but <laughs> explain to me what lacra is again. Is it like flavored it's, water? Yeah, it's carbonated flavored water. Huh. So it's like sparkling water with like a hint of a flavor to it. This one's like watermelon kiwi, which is excellent. It's an excellent combination. And then so they have a like bunch of other ones. It's like tonic water for hipsters. Yes, it's pretty good though. I, knew I don't that's think why I think had that beer. People who are not hipsters would also enjoy it. But yes, I can pinch and twirl my mustache while I drink it. <laughs> So I do keep the mustache trimmed so it doesn't like go over my lips. I don't like that. I believe at least thirty percent of the audience wishes there was video right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me doing this the whole time. Yes, my mustache. I'm going to go uh make my own ice later. <laughs> All right. So guys, uh first off, today's catchphrase comes from Mark Twain. Who is apparently a time traveler? <laughs> no, this is another it's really race. nice of him to email us. I mean, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, you know, I happen to know on good authority that Mark Twain would not email us because the man hated the typewriter. And it, it's funny the, the the typewriter companies sent him a typewriter. I'm trying to remember where I read this, but uh, he tried it out and he hated it. And they just didn't give a shit that he hated it, and they like put Mark Twain approved on the typewriter, <laughs> like marketing back then. Oh man, <laughs> I need to remember where I read. Like it's in some book I read, but it's pretty funny. Like he was like he adamantly hated the typewriter, and they still like used him to sell the typewriter, which is hilarious. But yes, he would not email us. He would send us a nicely written letter, it's like, which is which wouldn't be nicely written. There's another story about Mark Twain where he was really angry at somebody, so he wrote like this horrendously like offensive letter and uh, put it in his mailbox and never got in trouble for it because like immediately after his wife took it out of the mailbox and burned it. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is we would never hear from Mark Twain. Thank you for the catchphrase, Mark Twain, <laughs> who also enjoys Angry Birds and is a member of the Listen My Matters community. So yeah. <laughs> Listen My Matters community, Mark Twain approved. Yes, but it actually comes from Scott underscore D underscore I on Twitter. Scott, you got to get a more sayable Twitter handle. Like Tom Frankly just rolls up a ton. The <laughs> ton, because I can't say the word. <laughs> Fail. Or, or at Money Matters Man. See, that's a pretty good Twitter handle. Mm. And that's where you can send catchphrases. Or there is a catchphrase thread in the community. 
if you happen to be in the community, which you can be, even if you're not, now because we're in public beta. Yes. Ta-da. So I, we can actually say that if you go to listenmoneymatters.com slash join, um, you can see what it's all about. Oh, yeah. So that's all we have to say about catchphrases in the community. Today we're going to do five questions. It's been a you're while. so unoriginal, Andrew. I did five questions for my podcast. Ah, uh, well, we were doing Friday. five questions since uh, back it's when true. you were like a... I actually stole five questions from you guys. I mean, I, I feel like we we stole from a TV make show, up so. the idea of answering questions, but like the number five, it's a good number. Oh, dude, we actually did invent the idea of uh, answering questions. I mean, God damn it! Now I owe you royalties. <laughs> royalties to be paid in the form of podcasting for free. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dig into these questions. Uh, the first one you thought that I would not need to do much research for, and then I did. So, this question comes from Lindsay, and she says, what would you do in a hypothetical situation where you were making minimum wage? You can be generous and assume that you have no credit cards or student loan debt, and that you're living in a low-cost area of the country, hashtag Iowa. (laughs) How would you spend your money, and what would you do to start moving on from there? Sort of like Morgan Spurlock in that one TV series he did. Hint, it didn't end well. Well, I don't know anything about Morgan Spurlock. So he's it's the like, dude who did, like, the eat McDonald's for 30 days and, and like, almost Oh, he, was he the Super Size Me guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I just want to say, also, she's like, you could be generous and assume you have no credit card <laughs> slash student loan debt. And it's like, minimum wage, uh, like, how much are you making in Iowa if you make minimum wage? Seven twenty-five an hour. Seven twenty-five an hour. So for the year that you said it was like fifteen. Okay, yeah. so I I did the math on this, and by that I mean I looked up stuff on this. Uh, just to make it simple, using this number, I would take home about fifteen thousand four hundred dollars over the year, because that's assuming I worked all fifty-two weeks, forty hours a week, no sick days, no breaks, no nothing. I would bring home like fifteen k on average, and then. Uh, me having no kids, I would qualify for about four hundred extra dollars in the earned income tax credit. If I had so, kids, it'd be more, but I have no kids. So okay, just to kind of say the New Jersey piece, because I, I think the point is like you're like to be generous. We have no debt, and you're really not making a lot um, with minimum wage. So in New Jersey, minimum wage is eight dollars and thirty eight cents, and that means you'd be making seventeen thousand four hundred thirty dollars a year. Uh, and then with the earned income tax credit, you get additional like five hundred and change. You'd be making like just shy of eighteen k. Okay, actually, you know what? Maybe I just found the article in the Des Moines Register saying that Iowa a bill raising Iowa's minimum wage to eight seventy five an hour was approved by the Senate and sent to the House. Okay, so that happened back in February. I don't know if the House passed it, but Iowa's might be raising up still. Not Which a whole lot of money. Pretty awesome. I mean, I mean, it's we're not talking about a lot of money, so you have to be really mm-hmm. crafty. But it is possible you could be making more minimum wage in Iowa than New Jersey. And how much does it cost you to live a month in Iowa, Thomas? Like a hundred dollars? Uh, it would be tough to get it down to a hundred. I, I, I'm going to say that. So let's see here. So fifteen thousand four hundred dollars divided by twelve. That's twelve hundred dollars or twelve hundred eighty-three dollars a month. That is doable here in Iowa. Without a family, without kids, without anything. Like, if it was just me, um, even if I was in this house, like, th- this house split between five people is about 500 
maybe $515 a month with utilities included. So that leaves me with like $783. I could easily use that to pay down like groceries, um, gas, anything like that. So to be honest, it's not like a super tough situation. It's like college student situation here. So it gets okay. tougher when the family gets involved. I'll say that um, specifically where I live, uh, Hoboken, like right across from New York, is uh, it was more expensive. So um, I don't think that it would be feasible to live in this area. Your rent would probably eat all or almost all of your income. But I mean, and there there may be um, discount like housing. I, I forget the official word for it. Mm. But uh, it's it's like a lottery system here, and I know my sister tries to apply to it because she doesn't make a lot, and that's very difficult to get in. So if you lived in Central Jersey, um, I, I think you could live off of the fifteen hundred a month you would get um, with minimum wage. But that, you know like, what? Huh? You got it. Here's here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna come move and be my roommate. We're gonna be minimum wage buddies, and then you won't have to spend so much because we'll be in Iowa. That's true. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. so here's the thing. Uh, like, w- we could survive, or it, it's feasible to survive because I mean, obviously, people do. Um, but the goal is not to forever be minimum wage. Yeah, you obviously. I got a plan for this. Yeah, so so you want to kind of like gain income quickly, or or put some things in place so that uh, you can Morgan Spurlock style prove something. <laughs> Hopefully so well. I would probably work more than 40 hours a week for a while. I know a lot of people who have like two jobs. They work like 50, 60. For, so I would do that. For this minimum wage company. Yes. Mm. For whatever. I would probably have two jobs, right? Okay. Or something. So it's like, say, the only stipulation here is that I have to make minimum wage. doesn't mean that I can't have more than one minimum wage job. Right. So I would do that until I built up an emergency like three-month savings account. Then I would probably cut myself down to like 35, 40 hours. See, I would imagine if I'm minimum wage, like the company's going to try to screw me over and not give me benefits. So I don't even know if I need to be full time. Mm. I would get myself down to a, a number of hours. I would cover my expenses and then let me like start doing something to build my skill set. Like this is really unrealistic for me now because I already have a skill set where like I could be like, yo, I make really professional videos, pay me $5,000 to make a video. Like I could do that now. So I'm a, this, this assumption has to also come with like the writer assumption that I don't have skills let's, that let's give add me a an job. Addition, let's add some additional assumptions. Let's assume that you're either just leaving school or have recently left school, like high school. And, uh, no, let's say let's say college, and let's okay. say at least a two year degree, maybe a four year degree, and so it's in like uh, it's it's not that you don't philosophy. Yeah, like, what you what you say like maiden philosophy, <laughs> Vedic philosophy, Vedic philosophy. No, I was going to say like Vedic. Like, like Indus Valley Civilization. <laughs> All right, so fine. So you have a degree in Vedic philosophy, and I have one in Viking history. Nice. So, <laughs> so you I, know that they didn't have horns on their helmets. That's Good right. Job. I, I really niched down because <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, understand like the true origin of the kilt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did it. I, I figured it out. In four years, I got it. So you, you have your philosophy degree. I have my history degree what so you and you, that that's your skill right i think if i have a vedic philosophy degree i'm not going to care about what i'm making because i'm going to like renounce all my possessions and just become like a brahmin or something but assuming that i do want to keep living in america and all that 
if I find myself in a situation where I'm only making minimum wage, my brain, which wouldn't have picked the Vedic philosophy degree in the first place, is going to be doing something to gain a marketable skill that I can use to 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 start making more money. Whether that be but Tom, getting a CDL, that, but Tom, or that costs money gaining all knowledge and things and stuff, doesn't it? There's a friggin' library, and there's this thing called Coursera, and there's this thing called Udemy, and there's this thing called Wikipedia, and I don't know. I'm a self-motivated person, so I would figure it out. Also, like, it's not like I don't know. See, we we have the minimum wage stipulation here, but I could be like, what if I went and got a construction job, and made more? Like, there are other options out there. Mm. I don't think that I would. I don't think that I would be okay with just sticking with the minimum. I would. I would be trying to get out of that minimum wage job as soon as possible. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. So one of the things that I've kind of uh, kept in my head, and I mean it hasn't happened, so I guess we would have to see. Although I hope it doesn't happen, is that if shit really hit the fan and everything kind of crashed down around me, I truly believe that uh, if I had to. I would, I, I would and could clean bathrooms to earn a living, some minimal thing, and keep things going, right? I, I could do that. I mean, whatever. So Do whatever it takes. You seem yeah. to pursue the happiness, right? Um, yeah, yeah. There you go, right there. <laughs> that so, movie's ridiculously inspiring. Let, let's, say, let's say that there's not the option for you just to get a better job because then you'd probably just have the better job. Right, so you have to do. Something. But I'm going to work to get a better job. Right, so so I think that's that's like maybe the requirement, right? You, the job you have at minimum wage is the best you can get at this moment. So I don't know if you're going towards side hustle at the moment, but I'm just going to be honest here. If I'm in a situation where my skills dictate that I can only have a minimum wage job, I would focus on increasing my qualifications to boost my main income before I would look for a side hustle. Unless it was like a side hustle that I could immediately start making money with, like mowing lawns, sh- like shoveling driveways, doing stuff like that. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to start a website to get myself out of this. I'd be like, I'm going to get myself to a position where I can build a better income that I'm not like stringing myself along by the skin of my teeth every month. So then so maybe gonna, I'll look at a side hustle. So you're going to find you're going to try and focus on learning a specific skill set. Yes, to the point where it get, to where it gets me to the point that I'm no longer like living hand to mouth, essentially. So, so you I'll start making skill set to then hopefully skills. try and get a better job and, and like so on. Yes. So I'm going to take um, a slightly different route. Um, you, you've heard of like, and I, I'm actually only really just coming up with this as we talk and as this Allagash like works into my system <laughs> and then helps me, you know, inspires me. Um, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna go. You've heard of the, the the phrase "fake it until you make it." Yes. So I I actually truly believe quite a lot of jobs that you could get, um, that very much applies. And we're really gonna pull a Frank Abagnale here. <laughs> what's I don't know I don't get the. <laughs> you seen Catch Me If You Can? Yeah, yeah. He like poses as a doctor and like as a law teacher and everything. Look, I mean, that, that's that's to the extreme to say that you're a doctor, but you know, maybe you're making minimum wage and there's some job um, that requires someone to run the front desk or, or you know, uh, needs a public relations person. And I think what I would do 
is I would work my 40 hours at whatever company and I could work 100 hours at, at multiple jobs and earn more but I think it would take the extra time and I would go on an obscene amount of interviews. Like I would just mm. interview for anything and everything that I could knowing that I'm probably going to fail like maybe 90% of them. I'm going to go on like interviews for public relations manager and this and that knowing they're just going to like talk to me for 10 minutes and be like, you're, you're worthless. You have no experience. <laughs> and I think one, it'll get me experience in interviewing and selling myself. I think I'm going to become desensitized to the process. So when I go to an interview, I'm not really going to be nervous because I already know I'm not getting it. I know I'm probably not qualified and I may wind up being more real than anyone else they've interviewed. Mm. And I think a lot of jobs actually hire you for you and not what you've done. Like they're, they're, they're hiring Thomas because like this is a guy that I think is going to work hard and we're going to mold him. We're going to build him into what we need him to be. And so I think that – or I speculate that I would be able to say in a year of just – I go to like hundreds of interviews. I will get something that will be far larger income-wise than the minimum wage. Okay. I, I, can, I can get behind that. I think I would do something similar. I would also be educating myself. In I mean, my definitely. I, I think you have to. And I think, like, you know, maybe you pick a, a <coughs> good, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you need to, like, um, maybe pick a direction, right? Because you can't, like, be interviewing for, um, you know, computer programming jobs, personal relation jobs, uh, writing. You know, you can't be all over the board. Yeah. So you could be learning the specific skill as you, you know, interview. And I think maybe the questions might even lead you into what you should study. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. So next question. God, I want to do like two more hours on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, let's the hypothetical on. minimum wage episode. I, no, I think that- John needs to get his question answered mm. as well. <laughs> so he says, I have one question regarding the IRA rollovers podcast and how to take advantage of taxes. When I was listening, the guy had said that when choosing between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, you want to get taxed when you are in your lowest tax bracket. My question is, once you retire, how do you know what your tax bracket will be? I know a traditional IRA is taxed once you withdraw the money, and a Roth IRA is taxed once you put the money in. I'm just a little confused on how you know what is the best way to take advantage of the tax discounts. So, so yes. you have a bunch here. So yeah, I'm well, gonna give this so one to you. Actually, yeah. So I, I replied to him in intercom, and, and I mean, like, should I just like ad hoc answer? Should I read the answer? Uh, can you read in a better way than I read? Yeah, I could definitely. <laughs> read. I'll, I'll, let me see if I can read this completely. I'm not doing good today. So let me read my my answer to John, and uh, yeah. So if you put your money into a traditional IRA. When you withdraw that money in retirement, it counts as income. So Roth goes in first. And this is like my aside. But Roth goes in first. Like he said, uh, it's post-tax. And you withdraw, it's tax-free. Traditional, you're basically like shifting the tax time from today to the future. So, uh, yeah, when you withdraw that money in retirement, it counts as income. So, uh, and so does withdrawals from your 401k. So, so it's similar. That said, because you won't be earning the money, 
I guess I can't read better than you. <laughs> that said, because you won't yeah, be one earning... job. <laughs> Damn it! Ah, my voice is cracking. <laughs> that said, because you won't be earning money, the amount you would, I, I, I wrote. Should have put a comma there. Because <laughs> you won't be earning money, the amount you will draw will likely be taxed at a much lower rate than you are getting now. Because you're earning money from a job currently. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you for getting me through my own writing. <laughs> I, I think that the point is that um, you're going to be uh, taxed like you would normally. It'll be taxed as income. And the whole thing, the, like the big question is, do you see yourself earning money now and then retiring and just golfing or traveling for the rest of your life? Or do you see it as possibly earning money now and your income slowly grows, you know, like Allison with her real estate properties, and then you retire and you're making more income and you keep making more income. So and, and that, that's like the uh, where like the scales tip is because you have a job right now. So you're saving on taxes with the traditional, right? It's reducing your taxable rate, but you're making a lot. And when you retire, you're going to have no income because you're going to have no job. So your only income will be your traditional IRA withdrawals or your 401k withdrawals. And that will likely be at a much lower rate. So the, the real question is between the traditional and the Roth is how you see your future playing out. What does your ideal <laughs> retirement look like? Will you be earning money in retirement or will you be relaxing in retirement? And I think if you're going to be earning a Roth is probably a better choice. And if you're going to be relaxing or you're going to be earning much less traditional. I think I'm doing it the wrong way. What do you do? Because I've got everything going into a simple IRA, mm. which is like a traditional where it's pre-tax. So it takes away from my taxable income now. And I'll probably work until the day I die. So I'd imagine, unless unless I like start doing work that just doesn't make money, then <laughs> okay, here's what I'll do: the day I turn sixty, I'll put my my crazy millionaire business on hold, which I will obviously have, and I'll go like open a taco stand, run that for a year, make like ten k, pull all my money out of retirement, <laughs> then go back to my millionaire business, and then go to your. This seems foolproof. <laughs> then like in the way way future you'll go to your grandkids like there's always money in the taco stand and they'll be like shut yes. up grandpa and they'll just burn <laughs> it to the ground <laughs> jokes on them there was money in it it was like 16 whole dollars my grandkids are going to care about that That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right question three this comes from randy and he asks we made the executive decision about two months ago to quit funding our retirement so we can pay off our student loans faster we currently have $50,000 left in our loans. It kills me, but it's something I think that will be for the better. As of right now, we have $20,000 in an online Discover Savings account earning jack shit, but no risk and 30 yeah, oh, earning jack shit, but no risk and $30,000 in a Betterment account. My question is this, do I take my $20,000 in savings and $30,000 in Betterment investments and pay off our loans once our loans are paid off? we can start investing in our retirement again and build up our betterment fund question mark. <laughs> my thought right now is to pay the 20 grand and keep my 30 K in betterment and just take another six to seven months to pay off the loans. The interest rate on our loans is about 3.4%. 3.4%. That's low. It is, it is low. 
Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, there's also PS, PS. just found out the wife is 10 weeks pregnant, so I'm trying to be debt free except the house by the time the baby comes. Okay. All right. So that, that complicates Good things. Question. And let me like distill it down to what I think the question is. So he has 20000 in savings, 30000 in betterment. So fifty thousand. He's got fifty thousand dollars saved up, and he has fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, so he's fifty thousand saved up, and he has fifty thousand in student loans at three point four percent. And he wants to know if it makes sense to take all of that money and pay it off, or what he's specifically suggesting is taking twenty k of his cash, paying off twenty k, keeping the thirty k in betterment, and then like just basically like um, paying the rest off as fast as he can. Uh, okay. Thing number one to note here, mm. since it's a 3.4 interest rate, I'm assuming that these loans are federal, mm. which means that they come with protections like going to an income-based repayment plan, stuff like that. Mm. So it's not like this is a 7% private loan that's going to gut you if you can't pay it. Right. You got to pay it, but it's not as bad. Mm. So your betterment's probably going to make more in interest than your loans are going to cost you. Mm. Right. So uh, on average, yeah. What are your yes. thoughts on this? Um, I have I guess, like, hmm. I don't know, because like, you know, I have my car loan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could We're all intimately aware about. Your I car could loan. take <laughs> money out of my investments and pay my car loan down, but I feel like that is one mathematically stupid, and two, I never want to take money out of my investments. It's like my brain has a lock on doing that. Mm. So, so yeah, let's look at it like this. So he has twenty k in savings. First of all, like, uh, what, what, why, why? Like that? I mean, it's earning jack shit. Like he openly admits it. So and it's I mean, just a bit just, much to have in savings, unless he's like, maybe he's planning on buying a house a couple of years. Mm. We didn't ask that. Like, what is that there for? He actually he has a house with debt. So oh, I, that's, I, I cut. He has. He oh wait, no, he like, said that in there. He said yeah, house. Okay. He sent us like a, a super essay. I tried to like distill it down. Um. But uh, I would say, like, easily take the 20G that's in your savings account, and I can't believe you have that, and just put that towards your loans. Because your interest rate is probably sub 1%, and you're paying off a loan yeah. that's 3.4%, so, like, cl- like, three times better at least. Um, as for the 30K in betterment, um, I actually don't really feel like uh, your, your interest rate is high enough to be like so concerned about, and I mean, if you're right, Thomas, that it's federal, uh, then it's not such a burning issue. Yeah, I think I think it really comes down to cash flow. All right, yeah, and I have a devil's advocate question here. Mm. What if it was forty k in savings and ten k in betterment? We'll probably still just take the forty k, and I mean, we could advocate putting. So, some- like, here's that's the question. Like, should he? dump 10k into betterment and 10k to his loans it's like probably gonna make him more in the long run or should he like take money out of betterment like here's the thing is like we're talking it's like such like a a tough conversation i feel like we we always run into this thing and it's like easy to debate either side because we're talking about long term but actions today and the results of what happens today when really, I think like the success, if you do it properly, is you look in like five to ten years mm. and you look at what you would have done versus what you did do by doing like the most optimal thing. Yeah. Well, as long as your cash flow is fine, the most optimal thing would be 
to keep everything in betterment, probably put some of that savings in betterment and pay off the loan slowly if the interest rate is going to stay at 3.4. So like if we're talking about optimal math, likelihoods, all that. That's kind of where I lean. And I see it as not really that different from a mortgage, right? So you're buying this prop. So everyone has like this difficulty with the debt now or the car loan at one point whatever percent or whatever your rate is. And, you know, the student loans at 3.4. But the same people who are going to flip out, they're going to take out a 30-year mortgage. They're going to maybe put 20, 000, 20% down on it. I mean, I mm. hope they do because otherwise there's PMI. And they're going to pay basically 3.4% over 30 years, um, and, and, and I mean, if you're not aware, your mortgage compounds daily. I mean, like, you, you're mm. like, yeah, I mean, it, it's daily uh, interest. So, um, here's my gut, huh? My gut feeling keep enough in that savings account to where you have a three month or maybe even six month runway, mm. like emergency savings, including your student loan payments. Take the rest, pay down your loans. That way, you can use your monthly income to keep paying down the loans. You keep your, your money in betterment that's already in betterment. You keep it there making extra percentage. But you are now secure in the knowledge that even if I lose my job, I have three to six months of time to pay for my expenses, including the new baby and my student loans while I find a new job. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't dump it all into the loans right now because then you're you're paying down a lot of principal, but you are taking some security away from yourself. True. In which case you would have to dip into betterment. So I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with having their emergency accounts in betterment, and I completely empathize empathize with that. Mm. I don't keep my checking account empty and have everything in betterment. You know, I I do it I have like a staggered system where I keep like two months worth of what will be automatically invested in my bank account, like maybe 1.5 to two months worth, so that like there's always at least a couple of grand sitting in my savings account, but it's like on the way to getting shoved into investments, but it's never empty. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I mean, I think that's a, a good approach, and I think most things uh, somewhere in the middle are... I really think it, it comes down to how secure you feel in your income or your mm-hmm. ability to drum up income when necessary. And yeah. like the, like if you were like 100% confident, then you would have 100% invested. And if you're like 5% confident, maybe you'd have 5% invested. Where I, I'm heavily invested because I, I maybe I'm overconfident in my, my beliefs that I could earn. But – uh I think like that's right. maybe how like the sliding scale of risk where you're running your own thing. There could be a month where just affiliate income doesn't come in. I'm sure it's happened. Um, yeah. So, so or when it's like at least lower. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. You'd be able to account for that in the short term. Yes. Also, I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, we're like giving basically retirement advice here. Cause we're talking about better fit. <laughs> so, Ask Men apparently republished that that U.S. News article, mm. and like, I think they titled it "Let a Millennial Teach You How to Retire," and I oh. don't know if it's sarcastic or not. I don't think it is, but like, I was just like when I first saw the headline, I thought it was sarcastic, and I was just like, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like doing the exact same thing right now. So, not yes, major caveat. Tenor. 
I'm a millennial and young, so hopefully this advice makes sense, but it is coming from young people. Look, honestly, like, almost everyone listening to this, I mean, quite, like, a very large portion of the people are, are like, within, like, 25 to 35. And I mm-hmm. think that just, yeah, our vision on retirement is different. Like, Laura's parents... um, and and they did it the right way, the way they grew up. They saved a lot, and they're going to retire. They're in the, that's it. They're going to retire. They're going to go travel. Hmm. I, I we're we're of a different generation. We're probably going to work for forever, but because we like it. So I don't know. Okay. Did you think we at least answer the question? Yeah, I think we did. And I, I took a stand, even though like I think it's hard to take a stand on these issues mm-hmm. because there is like there's the math there's the, do I want to be debt free there's the you know all, all these different factors that come into it risk factors and it's hard to come out at least for me it's hard to come out and say this is what you should do like mm. even though that's like what you should do to be a good radio broadcaster and and build a following is you need to have like very black and white opinions of course but <laughs> it's hard to have that uh, so. I, I don't know I mean I, I think as long as it's well <laughs> thought out and, and like I'll go like a little bit further is I know it's really expensive. I mean, I know through people I know and, and whatever. I haven't done it yet, but that it's really expensive to have a child. But mm. also, when you have a child, there will be so many things you won't be doing, like going out to eat every night or going out to a bar every night or whatever the other things you do that like consume most of your money. My baby's coming to the bar with me every night. <laughs> <laughs> the cigar bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pinstripe suit. He's gonna be like the coolest baby ever. <laughs> and then there's, everyone there's thinks he's gonna be the most I... terrible father ever. <laughs> <laughs> there's ever a thing I wanted in the cigar bar I go to. It's a crying baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Are we ready for question four? Yeah. Before we dig ourselves in an even deeper hole. <laughs> this is the this one comes. Movie. By the oh, way. is this the same Lindsay? Okay. Yeah. Same Lindsay. Me and my husband have worked several jobs where we've had a employer-sponsored retirement plan. We have a whole trail of them. So what should we do with them? Say, let them sit until we're old fogies, or should we combine them separately, of course, somehow? Question mark? Um, <laughs> do you know, Andrew? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it comes down to, like, uh, look, the, the answer is roll over. Just, just roll them over. Okay. And um, I mean, in short, just do it. It's it's a good idea. But uh, let's talk about why. So, you worked for a company. They have a four hundred one k plan, mm. and uh, you get you. They invest your money. I mean, you invest your money in, in whatever options of, of funds they have. They may or may not contribute with you. Um, and then whatever fee you get is the fee on the funds. Now, when you leave the company. What happens is the people who are managing your 401k, they're like, whoa, whoa, the company that you were working for, they subsidized us to manage your plan. You don't work there anymore, so they're not paying for the subsidy. So we're actually going to also charge you an administration fee because we're stand-up gentlemen like that. And so what happens is you have the, the fee of the funds you invest in, and then you, it's very likely, it's not always the case, but very likely you have a blanket fee on top. So the fees total up to be like, I'm going to say like well over 1%, like a scary amount. So Mm. you would roll over if for no other reason than to keep all the investments in exactly what they are, but just not pay fees for no reason. Okay. I I think that's reason enough. 
Um, but you also have flexibility. So you know what? Maybe you're invested in like, um, uh, I don't know, uh, Scott Trades Life Fund 2050. And it's good. I mean, you like it, but you really like to be in Vanguard's total stock market fund. If you roll it over into an IRA, you could invest it in whatever you want, not the X Okay, yeah. So it's I like the flexibility. The flex- yeah, yeah it's, it's the flexibility. You can go to cheaper funds. You even save on fees there. You won't have an administration fee. It really comes down to keeping more of the money you have. Cut the fees. That's right. I don't want none of those fees. Okay. So you think we covered that one? I don't know. Did we? I think we did. Cool. All right, dude. Number five. This comes from John. Mm. Uh, Parent and sibling debt. There's a lot of info out there on managing debt with the spouse, but very little on how to manage debt from parents or other immediate family members. So is this assuming that like you willingly took on the debt from somebody? Because I think we we talked to Tyler, right, about... Mm wills and trusts and everything and didn't we establish that like your parents debt doesn't just automatically go to you so i mean not not like it's you're lucky because they died and then you don't get the debt i mean yeah. that really sucks i mean i, I would, couldn't even imagine my parents died but i think it's like the scenario where your parents or your brother or sister they're alive and they have a ton of debt and it's like just effing them up and you you kind of want to or need to help them. That that's what I got out of this one. Okay. Yeah, cuz the only way you're legally obligated to take on that debt is if you co-signed a loan or something for them or I think that was it, right? Mm. Yeah. So only like you, <laughs> only you, you could co-sign. be actually on the hook if you like yeah, you're like joint account owners on something or Yeah. You know, but otherwise, if you just decide to take care of, you know, help them, uh, I think it's a fundamentally different thing than managing debt with a spouse. Because when you're when you're with a spouse, you are combining assets, you're combining debts, you're combining your lives thing. into one, mm. right? Yeah, you're helping but with um, this, you're helping yourself out. Right, you you are managing money as a unit at that point. You know, even though the debt is attached to one or the other person's name, mm. like. Ideally, that's how you would manage your relationship because you're married. So now we have this debt. When it's, I'm going to help my dad out with this debt or I'm going to help my brother out with this debt, it's a different relationship entirely because you're not managing debt as a unit. You are providing assistance to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's very personal at that point. It is. And it can get very complicated and it can go that's south. That's really complicated. Completely. We've been having we have this huge debate in in my house all the time. Uh, it, it keeps coming up where I have this idea in my head that like I I would never want to win the lottery mm. because I won't I don't want money that I didn't earn. Mm. So like my conclusion from that is if I were to win the lottery, I would not give a bunch of money to my friends or pay off their debts or whatever because it's like I would. I want them to have that same drive to earn on their own that I have. So I would like hand it all over to charity or something. And they like call me a dick for it. They're like, no, of course I would pay off all my friends' debts and everything and like buy them presents. And I'm like, am I a dick for that? I don't know. I can't decide if I'm a dick for that. Cause like when I think like, would I pay off like would I set my mom up for life? Yes. So I don't know. Like I feel like there's this mental inconsistency there that I have. Hmm. But then like this, this follow up question came up where it's like, okay, Tom, so you have all this money 
and like I really want to become an animator or something like would you fund me to quit my job and and like do that eight hours a day and my answer to that is like you would have to essentially apply as if like I were an investor like you would need to show me some upfront effort or something to make me feel like you're actually going to follow through I wouldn't just like toss you 50 grand to be like yeah go off and draw all day so how might that look for you I feel like they would have to be like, I don't know, maybe they would need to show me a few months of like really good, hard like after work effort or something. And if I can really like, if I personally believe, okay, you are passionate about this enough to work in your off time. Now I would fund it if I had ridiculous money laying around. So because like, I've gone through this, I've gone through 40 hours, 50 or 10 hour days at my internship, came home and work on my blog all night long. Like I did that. So I can't, I couldn't in like good conscience just be like, oh, you just told me you want to be an animator and you're going to draw all day. Here's your money. Go ahead and do it. No, you'd have you to show me. It out, you know? You'd have to show me beforehand that you were going to do it. And then if I was like, okay, you're putting in that effort. Now I believe you. Now I will help you make your dream come true. So I feel like this might somewhat help. Like maybe there's like a, a percentage that you would contribute to a family member's debt where it's still like they aren't just getting completely off the hook. Like if I'm freaking Bruce's millions over here, I don't want to like, and my brother's in debt, I wouldn't just be like, okay, I'll just pay your whole debt off. It's maybe like, I'll assist you to the point where it's still going to be a little hard for you because you need to work and pay off the debt that you incurred, but I'm going to help you to make it manageable. Mm. Or do you just say like, it's my brother. I love my brother wipe out his debt because I have the ability and it's all like power of love kind of thing. I, I it's really messy. resonate with um, what you said. And I think that uh, the same way you read that people who win the lottery, like basically destroys their lives. I mm. think it is uh, very similar. And obviously in, in a smaller sense, like when they, people get free money, it, it's, I don't think it's a, a good, healthy thing in general so, so what if right. like, maybe you structured it differently? Because I really like your approach of like helping them, but they have to earn it all the way. So say they yeah. have like 50K in debt, right? What you could do is maybe, I mean, in one, you could do it really simple. You know, you say over 10 months, I'll give you 5K every month. And um, next month is not guaranteed. You have to show me that you're busting your ass and you've made this progress and whatever. And then I can give you additional right. 5K. And so, so instead of thinking that I'm going to come in and pay off your loans, no, I'm going to pay off 5K in your loans. And next month, you're going to convince me again to pay off 5K more. Yeah. The following months, you're going to convince me and you're going to keep convincing me. You know, and obviously you could spread it out more where maybe it's like 20 months is 2.5K or whatever, mm-hmm. which is probably more ideal. I think the hard, the hard part about this is like human relationships – are fundamentally built on debt Mm. but not not monetary debt maybe not debt maybe just like obligation like like owing like like you owe like i provided this for you in the past you provide this for me now like we have trust and a relationship and bond like the thing that money does is money is the only thing that lets you take that like obligation and owing to each other and it lets you quantify it and make it concrete and also transferable so like it's that's why I think money is so hard to when it like when it gets mixed up in in relationships and love it's such a sticky thing and think about it this way this is what I'm thinking of right now at least what if like your brother's house got blown down by a tornado mm. and like you obviously would go over there to help him pick it up right 
Mm-hmm. But if he was like sitting in a lawn chair with lemonade watching you do it, you'd be, be like, what the hell, right? If he got hurt in the tornado and he was in the hospital, he can't provide any assistance to help you do it up. So you're going to help, you're going to do it for him out of love, right? But if he didn't get hurt, he was away on vacation and got blown over and he's just sitting there not helping, like then you're being taken advantage of. Then like that person is taking advantage of the relationship they have with you. So like there has to be give on both sides. Like don't you can't let somebody take advantage of the love you have for them. At least I don't know, that's what I'm gonna say. I think there's there are people out there who'd be like, but I love them that much that I would. So you know, I'll keep giving them chances. I I agree with you. Uh, I wanna like throw one story in because I, I think the the question is like where do you draw the line? So mm. we have this friend, um and her sister uh, is going to school and she needs money for school and she knows that our friend has some money in the bank from her grandma because blah 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 and she's basically asking her to cash it in to pay for her school and she's like I'll pay you back right um, and you know it's when you have the money and you're not you don't necessarily need it now you're like oh well, I'm helping my sibling out whatever but how do you like you never really know as a lender to people you know or don't know if they'll pay you back so where where's the line between you know obviously if, if your brother's in a tornado and he lost everything you're gonna try and help him out but if your brother wants to get a boat and just wants some help to get the boat you know that's stupid a boat's stupid yeah so not gonna like, help my brother buy a boat <laughs> yeah so how do you if he wants of- to go to college maybe yeah but mm. um and even college. I mean, they could. He would be going to college for. I don't know. Um, what was the college that you're doing? The other question. Well, I don't know what the other question was, but uh, my brother at one point wanted to go to the super expensive audio engineering college. And not only would I not have to help him go to that, I told him straight up, "Don't go to that college." And I mm. called up people who I knew were audio engineers, and I asked them like how useful has your audio engineering degree been to you? How, like how, how they actually helped you get all these connections. Like they promised they would. And they're like, all experience. Nope. Yeah. nope, not at all. What I did is I got an internship at a radio station working for free. And that's how I made my connections. Hmm. So I was like, Brian, don't you go dare go to that college and take $50,000 in loans. Call the radio stations in town, every single one of them, tell them you'll work for free, like four hours a week and see if they'll hire you. What do you do? So he ended up going to Iowa state for other things. And then, uh, now he he's actually working on his first album and he's coming over here a lot and we're like doing our own audio recording stuff and i've learned a ridiculous amount about audio engineering on my own time just doing podcast stuff i didn't have to go to school for that so i mean that's totally getting beside the question here uh helping people i feel like if you're gonna loan money to a sibling you might as well just give it to him as a gift Mm. like i gave my brother my old computer and it's like I was going to sell it to him and I decided to give it to him because I felt that he would be able to use it to further his progress in music. His old one was like basically not usable for the kind of audio mixing he wanted to do. And I was like, I don't need 400 bucks from you. So I feel like I can provide a gift that's going to help you get ahead with what you want to do. Mm. But it's a gift I decided to give. It's not like I think if you're if your sibling asked to borrow money, I don't know. In introducing monetary debt into familial relationships is 
what I have heard from everybody, a recipe for disaster. I was like literally <laughs> going to say ruins them. If you want, yeah. if you have a great relationship with your brother and you want to destroy that relationship, um, yeah. Put so if you are prepared it. to give a sibling money for college, you need to be prepared to be giving it to them. To, as to maybe even go a little bit further to keep going down the rabbit hole. I, I got this email from a, a listener and his parents and him want to help uh, – his sister or their their daughter with buying a home and they're trying to figure out tax wise the gift situation we're going through the irs details and stuff like that and on the face it's an awesome idea and it's actually something that me and my parents have kind of talked about a little bit with my sister and i mean whatever and i think that in the end um i think the goodwill might get overwritten by like the the complications of the fact that there's money between family i think it's just a very dangerous thing Mm. um yeah you know what like if you worked a minimum wage job for you know 20 years to buy a home or you just whatever you busted your ass to do this thing you will appreciate the home at such a different level than if you're just like mom please like i'm gonna work really hard or you know your parents love you and they've done really well and you and they they get this, but they don't appreciate how much effort went into getting that thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and that's also tricky because it's like, well, grandma and grandpa worked on a farm for 50 years, and that's why I was able to go to high school. So why should I pay for your college? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, families, that's kind of the thing that families are supposed to do over the generations. They build more wealth and they give more opportunities to their kids. Like that's kind of the thing. So maybe it's the question. That's is what's an the element oppor- of it. What's the opportunity? Is the opportunity is is that like a home or is the opportunity yeah. education or you know I don't know. I guess it really depends on your family. But yeah, that, that's also the thing. Like we had kids with the intention of giving them every opportunity in life is different than oh I'm your brother. We have that relationship, therefore you should feel obligated to help me with this thing. It's like, no, because I have a brother doesn't mean that I need to, you know, you, you may want to provide everything you can to your brother, but it's different than like having a kid and wanting to give that kid every opportunity with the express intention of having a kid. You know, I I totally subscribe to uh, Adam Carroll's approach. And, and like when I think of like situations like this, I think of like future kids and you know how it may play out. And I think the most important thing, like, over everything is instilling like the understanding of value you know Mm. what what your time is worth like what you you know like achievement and not the sake like oh i'm so great because i achieved but just the feeling of achieving and being able to feel that you can do things and so i would really lean towards not i would maybe lean towards advising helping i would sooner give blood my like my blood and sweat you know i'll go and help you construct a house than fund a house for you yeah okay i don't know i, th- I think we definitely i'm not went, sure if we gave any answer on that we question went down the all. rabbit hole <laughs> got out a different side into it like a foxhole and yeah <laughs> maybe there's some threads that some people can latch onto there i don't know it's i don't it's i've touching. never been in a situation where i've had to take on or help or have decided to take on the debt of a family member so you know? my, my parents have um for a family member and they mm. they obliged and it didn't turn out well and then they 
uh, knowing what they knew, they they wanted to do it better, and and kind of someone else asked, and in same situation, and so mm. I think that you have the best of intentions, and you have the the patience of you know a saint, but I, I think that's not enough. It really relies on the person that you're lending the money to. Yeah, it does. I've had this like this principle that was taught to me. Mm growing up where if you borrow something from someone then your number one priority other than living is to pay back what you borrow yeah mm. you know if you can't like if the i borrow rule. if i borrow your video game and i tell you i'm gonna give it back you know boom i'll give it back to you or like i had a friend who he needed to borrow money to pay our rent mm. and like he was like okay I, he told me the date he was gonna pay me back and then it was like it was like two months later he actually paid me back and it's like, I didn't need the money now, but if you tell me you're going to pay me back now, and then I the see matter. you like buying other crap that you don't need to live before you pay me back, like you ha- you, you're like sacrificing your honor in yeah. favor of that cheeseburger that you just bought or whatever. And that is just like, it doesn't make me piss the person so much as it like makes me disgusted with like the lack of character. I don't know. Yeah, and you know what? Because then when you're going out to go grab a cheeseburger, it actually is like, hey, you want to go grab a cheeseburger? It, it turns into, hey, um, can you buy me a cheeseburger? You know? Yeah. And I don't know. That The whole situation is very tough because I agree it's with you. a lot you. of values in here. <laughs> a lot of yeah. personal values. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. So, I don't know. so I, that, I think... that's probably the most complicated question <laughs> uh, we could add in. Like family, yeah. friends, sibling debt and just money i mean it complicates things i i I would avoid it that's true yep okay well those are our five questions Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna wrap up now listen money matters at gmail.com it's where you can email us your questions or if you are in the community which is now in public beta Mm. you can ask questions in there we'll take questions from the community to answer on the show, but also our excellent community members will probably answer them for you before we can get to it. <laughs> True. Yeah. With, with more detail and less <laughs> raveling <laughs> than we, than we throw into the show. So check out the community. If you're interested, listen to moneymatters.com slash join mm-hmm. is where you can find that. You can also subscribe to this show and get involved by finding it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you want to listen. And leaving a rating and review also helps out a lot. This review is titled Addicting by Megan McGlynn. And she says, I'm officially addicted. I've fallen behind on all my other podcasts since discovering this one. These guys deliver down-to-earth practical financial advice in a super casual way. It feels like you're hanging out with friends who just happen to be setting you up to succeed. As a student in the U.S. where personal finance education is not required and the price of college is skyrocketing, I'm glad to have these guys on my side. I've only been listening to two weeks and I've already saved 10 bucks. Who knew asking for discounts was a thing that worked? Give LMM a listen. You won't regret it. Thank you, Megan. And yes, asking for discounts is a thing that works. <laughs> I think uh, our friend Kristen Wong has like a video on that. She's where she just like, I think she like called up her phone company and she's like, can I pay less? And they're like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I think I have that. to try that. Yeah. Well, there's and then there's like that bill cutters people that'll like do it for you if you want. Mm. But I don't know. I'm a fan of just mm. getting on the phone. Oh yeah. <laughs> making making friends with the person on the other side and yeah. they'll help you out. They're just normal people. Yeah. 
Cool. So listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can go if you want to find apps and books and other resources that we like to use to manage our money. And that's all we got. So thanks again for hanging out with us. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Later, Andrew. Later, Thomas. Tell your friends about this show.